M1 is the finance super app where you can invest, borrow, save, and spend all in one place. You set your strategy and they automate it for free in an easy to use app. M1 is making money management easier, smarter, and more automated than ever. If you're like me and you struggle to make time for investing or anything really, M1 is the best set it and forget it investing app I've ever used. Go to m1finance.com slash Katoon to get started today and earn $30 to invest after you fund your account. Terms and conditions apply. M1, yours to build. Welcome to Technory Podcast. I'm Scott Katoon. On today's show, we catch up with Ruben Flores Martinez. He is the CEO and founder of Cash Drop. Uh, they just raised a whopper around, I believe, $9 million. Prior to that, they raised $2.5 million in July. Uh, the company is on absolute fire, and it will make sense when you listen to this podcast. They literally have built a Shopify without a Shopify. It's something that you can download the app and drop it in, uh, i.e. cash drop. Drop it in your Instagram, text message, whatever. It's like the future of commerce in my mind, digital commerce. Uh, Oh, yeah, one more thing. The fees, the fees don't get paid by the business. So if you're a restaurant or a barber and you're losing or getting gouged by all of the fees that you use for all these different sort of, uh, you know, whether it's delivery apps or checkout or scheduling or whatever, like no more of that. And the reality is margins are already razor thin for most of these guys. And most of these businesses are small businesses. So why do we gouge them? I don't know. Uh, well, Ruben will tell you why, but you have to listen to the podcast. I'm going to keep the intro short and tight because we went on a mad rant. It was amazing. This felt like a Monday recording. It's a Thursday recording. It is everything in a bag of chips. We talked about VCs. We talked about funding minority founders or lack thereof. We talked about Chicago tech name drops from my guy, Ricky Regalado from route, Steven Galanis from cameo. Uh, we talked a lot, a lot of things, mostly business, mostly about cash drop, but there's definitely a hot seven minutes where Ruben and I just tore up VC, um, and talked about the future of funding, which for me as a founder and an investor, it should be, and should always begin with the founder things like Republic that we can use the, the, the stage is set for founders and entrepreneurs to take back control. And I think it starts with founders and companies like Ruben and Cashdrop. So this is my interview with Ruben Flores Martinez, the CEO and founder of Cashdrop. So here's the story. So I had Dom Holland on my show. He's the CEO of Fast. He raised, you know, like a hundred million from Stripe. They've raised a bunch more than that, but just like a week ago. And we were talking about sort of the evolution of shopping and we were talking about the evolution of, I, I don't want to call them, I mean, they are entrepreneurs, but there's like people who decide like, hey, I've got a podcast, like why not sell Zoom University cartoon shirts or something? And the barrier to success, you know, other than dropship has been like, got to build a website, got to build Shopify, got to connect, got to pay all this stuff. And he and I were talking, I'm like, your whole app, your, it's not an app, but his whole plugin is essentially that like quick checkout. So I'm like, why, why even screw around with the website? <laughs> like, why not just have, if, if you only have a handful of items, why not just have the checkout be the shopping center essentially. And then I started Googling that and I found you yeah. and I'm, I'm looking, I'm looking at the app on my phone right now, literally. And I'm like, this is the simplest, most obvious, like anyone who sells on Instagram or anything like that, why would you waste your time with this site? You spend all your days in social media apps anyway. Right. 
right? So, like, exactly. I, I love this idea so hard. I can't tell you. <laughs> um, and as a person who sells D to C, like this doesn't work. <clears throat> One of my companies, Songfinch, this doesn't work for them because you have to actually fill yeah. out like the story and the whole shit. Like it's not perfect. For, although you could argue it probably could actually work if you did like a jot, a jot note or something. Right. But anyway, uh, for anyone else, this is so obvious. Yeah. And I, I want to know how you came up with this. I want to know how things are going. I feel like with COVID, you people, investors had to be like, nobody says no. Like, it's my guess. Yeah, we, we got, you know, it's funny because I guess pre-pandemic, uh, nobody would give us a lot of day. I think you're based in Chicago, right? I'm based in Chicago as well. Yep. And, uh, you know, it, Cash Up had a really interesting start. We launched in January of 20, 2020, actually, so barely a year. And yeah, the pandemic hit and we just kind of hit this exponential growth curve. And then all of a sudden, everybody wanted to throw money at us, but we're like, we're making enough revenue. It's literally me and my little sister. We're doing hundreds of thousands of dollars of transactions a month. Why the fuck do we need you now? Right? <laughs> I love this. I, you got to, we, just a quick side note. I assume you're on Clubhouse now. Everybody seems yeah, to be. Yeah, yeah. So I, I would like going in and out and I don't mean to, to shit on my Chicago brother and um, but I've been in and out of these clubhouses about Chicago tech and this money thing. And I, I'm sitting here just like, am I the only one who, who sees the problem is you, not me. Yeah. Like we, like this idea that you need to pump money into companies. That's you trying to make money yeah. like at my expense. And then there's companies that are super investable and there's companies that become super investable. And you kind of are that. Like I it's mean, one where it's like, I don't need it. But then all of a sudden it's like, well, now it's investable. Yeah, it's, it, 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 it's terrible. I mean, I, I only have a hundred thousand dollars of Chicago money in my cap table. That's just, and that was just as a, you know, as a homie uh, favor here. And that's, that's just kind of like the outlook of, I think what's, what needs to change in the Midwest. But I think it speaks, I, I think deeper, I think of why we're so inspired about what we want to do with cash drop. You know, at the end of the day, I guess I woke up in a world where, you realize that you know less than one percent of all VC goes to Black and Latino founders. I, I'm a Latino founder. I was born and raised in Mexico, but also then you know within these marginalized communities, you get to realize that that being an entrepreneur is a luxury, right? Not everybody gets to wake up and throw everything away and start the business they've always wanted to. It's not that easy, and not everybody really gets to do it. So I think I kind of felt that was almost my responsibility to think and say, hey, what are we doing? to inspire and enable and empower as many people as possible to truly take that chance, right? To really be able to say, hey, I have this idea that I think could turn into something, but I have a nine to five, I have all these responsibilities. Like, what are we doing to enable them to, to, to try something, right? To be able to go to market and try it out and create that hustle. And really the story that we're trying to tell with Cashtrap more than the product itself is like, you know, we're here to help you take an idea to a side hustle to an eventual lifestyle, right? because that's the life everybody wants to live. Everybody wants to be in control of their destiny, right? You wanna be able to dictate the next step. And I think our, it's tools like cash drop at the right moment in time, right? At this time where you can go to social media and build distribution and community for yourself. How do you create these tools that can enable you to monetize that in a very easy, very convenient way so that you don't have to worry about building infrastructure. You just worry about talking to your people, right? And trying to make money from that so that you can focus more on community building, on distribution building. And I think that that's 
that's what's just kind of enabled us to kind of blow up over the past few years. And, and I mean, really the goal for us is becoming the Gen Z Shopify. I really believe that Cash Drop is going to be for Gen Z plus what Shopify was for boomers and millennials, right? Like we're just kind of the next evolution of what happens when you have all of these other things at your disposal and just making it truly frictionless to be able to turn that idea and, and launch it as a business, like the launch platform of the modern day business is really what we're trying to build here. So we're going to talk in a minute about that specifically, like going through what the experience is like. I want to get a feel for it for people. Um, <clears throat> I want to go backwards a little bit on a couple of things you talked about. Again, not, I don't want to make this whole show about shitting on the VC model and, and all that. Yeah, I'm, I'm here for it, man. I'm here for it. You're down. <laughs> well, shit, you're here at the right place. Um, because listen, we all, and, and I've said this actually on the record before, I don't have a problem if it's truthful. I don't have a problem telling people it's stupid and you're wrong. And most people who are smart, if you're in business, even if you're offended or you're like, oh yeah, I guess a little self-reflection is necessary here. If you've got a good opportunity to make money, they're going to come back. Like it, you have to be egregious for people to be like, I won't do business with you now. And if they don't, then fuck them. We'll, we'll move on. Yeah. But like, <clears throat> it has been so, and, and this isn't just Chicago, this is VC at large, but it's also Chicago in particular. And there are good and bad reasons for it. But there has been this one-sided approach. And you talked about Black and Latinx founders in particular. For me, uh, for almost eight years, I've been pushing this like help the founder, first-time founder, Black, female, minority founder, need people to pay attention to the businesses they're building because they're building solutions for communities that you don't understand. Right. That doesn't mean that you can't invest in it. It means you just don't get it. You need to open your fucking ears and listen. And that's the thing that really I struggle with because I, I get in these meetings and I'm like, in particular, B2C, Chicago struggles there. And that's not, you know, Cameo was here. Now they're kind of not. And like, you know, they didn't get the the warm and fuzzies and the hugs until they were already there. And it's like, well, pff, thanks for the help. Right. And, and I look at your company and I look at a lot of the other companies that I'm talking to on a regular basis, my own included. And I'm like, you're telling me I don't have traction or growth. And I'm telling you, we have a thousand percent growth. We have sold $40,000 worth of songs yesterday. And you're like, oh, it's just a small amount of people. It's like, what, like, what, what do I have to do? What's the number? When is enough right. for you? And right. I, I kind of think what you're doing, I think is maybe more important than what they're doing. And maybe that's part of this. You are, it reminds me a lot of another entrepreneur who I've had on the show and was on stage years ago, Thomas Ma, who's now had a lot of success. Um, he, I asked him, I was like, oh, you're going to try to raise money. He was like, I took two meetings and could tell there was no chance that I was going to be able to raise money. They didn't like me and they didn't like what I was doing. So I built it on my own. And so then he took on this approach, like, I'm not going to do any money. I'm just going to make money. And he's killing it. And he empowers other people to turn their side hustle into a full hustle or to make money on their own terms. You are empowering maybe hundreds, maybe millions by the time you're done of people to literally be able to make like, whatever they'd make in an Uber, they could make flipping shirts, hats, any creativity, music, beats, whatever you want. Right. And I kind of think that the VC model, it, it kind of like Chicago needs to open its eyes a little bit and stop talking about, we have more minority, get the hell out of here, like fund the real people and the real businesses. Yeah. And I think VCs in general need to, to start looking at companies like yours and, and, and a little differently. Like, hey, what can I do to help support you in the early stages that's not taking money and equity out of your pocket? And maybe that's a structure of a loan. I don't know what it is. And then when you get to the scale where investable, you know, where, where capital really matters and equity tables become important, then it's, then it's different. But there's this like very one-sided attack 
kind of attitude and I just don't like it. Yeah. I mean, Rant over. I, I, I'm here for it. I mean, you know, I think that there's just a lot of problems that, that are just masked by a lot of hypocrisy. If you ask me, you know, like there's yeah. all this talk it, it, about, you know, coastal VCs. Like there's always like this battle between the Midwest and the coastal VCs, but it almost seems like they're waiting for the coastal VC to lead the fucking round before they're willing to put in $50,000. Like oh at God, that point, yeah. why do we even need you? It doesn't even yeah. make sense anymore. Right? Like why? Because you think we're a Chicago startup. Listen, I'm a startup who happens to be in Chicago right now, but the world is global. The world, the world moves and we move where the support takes us. We move where the dollars takes us. So if the jobs want, you know, if people want the jobs to stay in Chicago, then let's do something about it. Right. Pony up. It, it, money talks at the end of the day. And I, and I think that that's the big problem that, that me, myself as a Latino founder, want to really stick in the fucking face of the, of the industry and wake it up because you know, we are building for communities that most people don't understand, but these are the communities of the future. Right? The largest community, the fastest spending media community exactly. in the fucking world. Exactly. And they're ignoring and, it. You know, and while we're at it, I want to say, like, I personally hate, I just, it irks my blood when everybody calls me an underestimated founder. I had this tweet a few weeks ago where I'm like, listen, I fucking hate the word underestimated. I'm not an underestimated founder. I'm just a founder that you've never met. And I guess at the end of the day, the point that I'm trying to make is that I'm not the next anybody. I'm the first Ruben, right? And that is the problem that people don't, like, you can't pattern match me. But I think that that should be an indicator of the potential of where we want to take this and what this could become if you really took the risk and, and, and even took the time to understand what we're building for who and what the implications of that are. And I think that that could really significantly change the VC in the in the startup ecosystem in the Midwest at large, you know, but yeah, hashtag rent over from my end as well in that part. But, but, you know, again, at the end of the day, the future, I think people are in this world where capital is not as effective or, or as valuable as they think they are because you're spending it to build distribution. Guess what? You can get a million fucking followers on clubhouse. If you really tried, you can get a million followers on Instagram. You, you don't need anything, right? Like you just go yeah. out to tell your story. At the end of the day, what sales is the story that you're telling. So what's the value you're conveying? And you can build distribution like that. And then you can start your side hustle. I think in five years, people will be fucking self-funding their companies more than they currently are right now because they'll be able to, you know, with yeah. these things. So like when we think about the next 15, you know, 15 to 20 years of how people fund companies, you know, we should really take a hard look of how are we really empowering mm -hmm. uh, our founders and what value they're bringing to the table before they start looking for alternative ways where they don't really need you anymore, right? And I, that's really one of I the totally five dreams that you. I have for the world with Cash Drop, honestly. I, listen, I'll put a bow on this one and then we'll move on to Cash Drop for real here. But like, I've been repping Republic since 2015. I've got, you know, invested in Republic, invested a shit ton of companies in Republic. I was on a, if you're not familiar with Republic, I assume you are. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah equity crowdfunding platform. I was on a clubhouse just the other day and there was a couple of VCs uh, will be nameless in Chicago who one of the people brought up a question. They were like, Oh, what about Republic? What about crowdfunding? And this guy went on like a nine minute rant tear about how it's on. It, it's fucks the cap. It's just lies. Like it was just like, and it's not even lies. Cause I don't think he knew. I think it's just like, I don't pay attention to things that aren't my world. And I'm thinking, Whoa, you're, you're done. Like, I hope, I hope you cash out fucking like five, yeah. five you have five years and you're done because unless you make enough money and you go, buy a bunch of GameStop. Like you're, you're in deep shit because the future 
is, is not just my community. It's not just my friends and family. It's not just my fellow founders. It's not just my customers. It's anybody who believes in what I'm trying to do. And I'm not asking for them to give me a million dollars. I don't need them to. I need them to use my product. And I need them, if they want to invest in my product, I need them to put 100, 200, 1,000, 5,000 bucks. I can raise $5 million a year. And that's all I need to become profitable because I'm running a responsible business. And some businesses take longer and need more money. That's a different thing. Those are VC companies. And this like idea that I'm going to sit down and tell you how to run your business. Like I'm sitting in a meeting. I went to a bunch of meetings over the last couple of weeks and I'm, I'm listening to these people who are, by the way, like 10 years younger than me. They've had 10 years less experience as an entrepreneur than I do telling me about my business and my unit economics. And I'm like, what, what the fuck? Like, I'm here to ask you questions. I'm asking you about yours. I want to know, is your fund worth me taking money? Not you tell me, like, I'm here giving you an opportunity. You're trying to make money on me. I think we got to flip that narrative as founders, man. Cause I yes. don't do that enough. And, and that's something that I, you know, I'm a very fuck you to the establishment type of person. That Cheers to that. Yeah. And, and I think you have, to, I'm giving you an opportunity. What do you bring to the table? You're giving me money in exchange for equity. That's worth more later. This is yep. a bad fucking deal. And I'm yep. giving it to you out of urgency and you're treating me like you're helping me. Fuck you. <laughs> I'm helping you. Love right. You. So, so this, this is, uh, this is a microcosm of the problem. And I, and I, we don't have to, like I said, I don't want to spend the whole time on this. I do think it's important though, yeah, it when is we get into these conversations, especially on, like clubhouse has a cool factor with this. Like I clubhouse, I'm, I could kind of leave it in some regards, but this part is cool. It brings conversations to the front. And I think it's important to talk about uh, my funding minority founders. I also hate this underestimated underrepresented, like get the fuck cool. out of here. I'm, I'm not a, a haphazard. I'm not a, a charity right. case and I'm not, I'm not a minority founder just to be clear. I'm, I, but I, I totally uh, empathize with the entire thing as someone who came from not VC community. And I look at this and I go, you're talking about the wrong problem. The pro and, and honestly, I, I don't mean this offensively to the VCs even. The problem is that time has changed. You're, I mean, if you look at just the last, you know, let's go the last year and a half, but even the last two weeks, Bitcoin, crypto, Robinhood, M1, people on Reddit coming together in the millions, pushing back on hedge funds, Trump administration doing God knows what the fuck, COVID, we're all working from home, everything, like the world advanced five years in five minutes and no one was ready for it. Yep. And it's too late to go back. And so now your choice is to get on board with us or not, because there's guys like you, and I talked to a lot of them who are like, you know what, if you say yes to me, I give you a good deal. If you say no to me, fuck you. And I'm going to sell the shit out of my business. And then you're just going to be left out there. I'll take your money later when it's worth less. Right. Right. So I don't know, man. It's, ah, this is, ah. this should have been Monday. This should have been Monday. We could have started the week out about on fire going into my meetings. Anyway, this is important though. It's, it's important because you're a founder who I think is going to be, I think you're going to be really successful to be totally honest. Just the product I think, and this may not be your only product you end up building, but this one I think is going to be a hit and you're going to be the voice of this conversation. So this is us teeing it up a year ahead of it. Cash drop as a product. Walk us through this because my basic, uh, I went to, it's getcashdrop.com. I went through, looked and scrolled through and it made sense to me in literally 30 seconds. Thank you. So walk people through how this whole thing works and what your dream scenario is, how people are going to use this. Yeah, so really the, the, the premise of, of, of the app itself is, you know, you can launch an online store from your phone in 30, so in, in 15 minutes, right? In, in just minutes. 
And, and that is a very profound, dear, very simple statement. And I think you really have to understand the current path to market to really see, you know, the problem that we're fixing. But, you know, the idea is you download this app, you don't have to know how to code or design, you're just talking to a chat bot, we'll call them cash bot, right? You create a little link that people can access everything you're selling, and then you, you add products, and then you create what we call a drop. And I think the drop is a really fundamental pivot for us to really evolve where e-commerce is going. And we call it, we, I'd like to say digital commerce. I hate the word yeah. e-commerce. Yes, it's very 1990s. It's very dot-com. Yeah, digital commerce is the future, but it's really like blurring the lines. And I think this is where cash up gets very special. So when you add products to the app, you know, the chatbot will ask you, what are you selling? And we enable you to be able to sell just about everything from food to products, to digital files and videos and tickets to an event. You could also sell appointments for services. But then the second question is, it's more interesting. The chatbot asks you, how do you want to sell? And I think that that's really where the power of the infrastructure lies because it really enables you to fulfill orders in different ways depending on what you have access to. And think about this for a second. Think about delivery and pickup, right? If you would have asked somebody eight months ago, delivery and pickup, they immediately just thought restaurants, right? Like, oh, that's just something the restaurants do, right? But if you really think about it, it's a way of fulfilling orders, right? And I think the modern day business needs to be very adaptable, how they do business with their consumers and how they fulfill those orders. So for example, the cash wrap app enables you to say, hey, I want to sell product, but then how do you want to sell it? Is it pickup? Pickup means that the customer buys and they come to you to get it, right? Is it delivery where the customer buys and your employee takes it to the customer? Or is it shipping where the customer buys and a third party takes it to the customer, right? So it's really rethinking the yep. logistics be be besides any type of business. And then, you know, you just follow along with the chat bot. You have that link that you can post all over social media. And then customers can just access the link and shop from your drops without having to download an account or you know, download an app or make an account. So the process is extremely in and out. And, you know, the app has this ability to really help you just, you know, start with your first product, but it has a robustness in the back end of a full feature point of sale that you can really run your business, run analytics, track your sales, your inventory. So you have something very robust. And I think what was happening, you know, in the commerce world, besides your really big incumbents like Shopify and Square, is that people were doing something that I like to call DM commerce, which is like, hey, DM me for sizes and then cash at me, DM me for this and then Venmo me the money. So it's like, it seemed like entrepreneurs were like hacking together on, you know, 100% they solutions. Were because the established e-commerce platforms really weren't adapting to where the modern day entrepreneur needed to really do commerce in the 21st century way, right? And I think that that's what Cash Up was. What if we merge that hyper accessibility and simplicity of a peer-to-peer -peer payment mm -hmm. network like Venmo, right? But we provide the robustness of a Shopify, of a Square. And when you combine those two things, right? You have something that is hyper accessible to people to go from zero to money in the bank in minutes and you give them the lead way to be able to grow this into a gigantic business. You know, for, for reference, our smallest merchant is a 13 year old in California that sells slime. So she downloads the app, created this whole fucking slime, you know, enterprise. And then her mom, it. 
describe. And our largest vendor is a $10 million year food hall in West Palm Beach, Florida, with you know 10 different stalls. We do their entire point of sale. So all of their transactions run on Cash App, and people can order from Instagram, from a QR code. We have self-checkout kiosks, we have point of sale. But I think the very interesting thing is that 13-year-old girl has the same app, the same access, the same economics, the same everything that that multi-million dollar a year business has. So, and that's the vision for us to the world of what happens when you democratize all these things such that a 13 year old girl who's the future of the world can grow into something that can be as big as her imagination lets her. Because currently the pipe dream of being an entrepreneur is capsized by a lot of different factors. How tech savvy or how much capital you have, right? The connections that you have, the side of the world that you were- By born. design, by, by design. the way, by design. And I think that these things like cash are, are really <clears throat> meant to be designed to really move as much of the bullshit from the path of the entrepreneur such that she can truly say, how big do I want to get? Now I really can do it, right? It's up to me. If I fail, it's okay. But now it was my decision. It was up to me. And that is a story that I think is extremely powerful. And fundamentally, I believe that the companies, the tech companies are really able to disrupt the landscape are not selling a product. It's the story that you're able to tell and the inspiration you're able to bring to the masses to be able to paint the picture of what the world is versus what the world needs to become to benefit everybody, right? And I think that that essence in a hyper accessible package that you can just set up and see like, hey, I don't even like you may be doing fucking stitching and you want to sell your Bernie Sanders crochet thing that you just put in the spur of the moment. You know, you can just do it right there. If it doesn't sell, at least, you know, it's trash. If it sells at best, you're making an income from it. Maybe, you know, you start a factory in two years. You never know. But now you can try it. No cost to you in 15 minutes. So you really don't risk anything. That is a that's what gets us super excited. So we have a we have a very eclectic ecosystem of merchants, you know, like people that are artists and food trucks and restaurants. And we also have like barbers and digital. I literally just texted this while I'm on the show sure. with you. I texted to my barber, El Jefe, at Jefe's Barbershop in, in uh, Rolling Meadows. I just texted him. Uh, this is no indication, by the way, of the work he does. I just look like <laughs> shit today. His, his hands are gold. I just texted him a cash drop. I was like, I shouldn't be. He has an ATM parked in his barbershop. And it's like, and I get it. But it's like, dude, cash drop. Everyone else, everyone who goes in there is using Venmo anyway. Like, th- so like one of the things you brought up here that I think is is actually really, it's really cool. It's it's beyond the product. It's thinking forward. You talked about the future. We look at all the technology. And if you if you want to go business to business, let's swing it over to the, the like the SaaS conversations. We are looking at business enablement tools and automation tools and AI and all this stuff and bots. And the this the fear factor for a lot of people. Uh, and I promise this goes down to the entrepreneur that you're talking about. The fear factor for a lot of people is that it replaces jobs and it very well will replace jobs. But in theory, in, in, in practice at the right use case, it actually should just support you. It should make you an augmented, more quick and efficient operator. This is that for anyone who wants to have a, a side hustle that becomes a full-time job or it's a side hustle that is just a side hustle. Or it's a hobby who gives a shit. Like we talk all the time about losing jobs about shrinking the availability of, t- of certain industries entirely. And we are going to all have to be on some kind of supplemental income. If you're over here doing the Bernie Sanders crusades, I'm assuming that you believe in this. Um, but if you think there's a supplemental income, the, the best way to, to, to get around that is to give people the enablement to make money. One of the things that you can shit on Uber for a lot of their practices, and I do, you cannot deny what Uber did 
to enable a lot of people who no one ever thinks about to make enough money to pay for food. And this is a major move forward. This is a, this is something that lets anyone who has an idea to make money. I'm watching, I'm scrolling on TikTok and I see something cool. And I'm like, shit, that would be hilarious on a t-shirt. I can make it a t-shirt and start selling it to my neighbors literally that night if I want to. And that is a game changer. Right. And the thing is, it's a universal problem, right? Oh, for sure. To us, we have global ambitions. And, you know, I like to say that, that, that helping put money in people's pockets is one of the most powerful forces in the universe, right? And that's really the essence of, of what we're trying to build here. Because, you know, it, it, it's funny enough, when we launched Cashtrap, you know, I was working in a previous startup that just tanked. I put three and a half years of my life into that, and I thought it was the truth. And they just fucking tanked, and it was time to let go. And I'm the type of person that I like to just nuke and start from fresh and do completely yeah. the opposite of what I yeah. thought was the truth. I'm going to do a complete 180. We're the like, same person. It's yeah. like I, I hold my entrepreneurship with a grudge. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. I'm like, fuck this. I thought this was the truth. I am not going to do that ever again, right? And, and you know, in my previous startup, I was, all, I, was, I was all about the data, 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 right? And then let nowhere because there was no path to, to, to money. At the end of the day, money is the only yeah. thing that matters, right? And so I was like, what, what am I going to do? Well, I'm going to do nothing with data and I'm only going to think about money. This, the, the next thing that I do, it's, only, it's going to become the essence of money, period. And that's where the brand cash up came from. And, and the, interestingly enough, you know, I created the MVP. I launched it really fast and it started just taking off in restaurants. And I saw something really fascinating with restaurants because, you know, inherently because of the simplicity and the accessibility of the platform, it enabled me to really think differently about how to monetize the platform, right? Traditionally speaking, you know, the e-commerce world kind of operates the same. You create a marketplace, you drive traffic to your vendors, and then you tax the fuck out of them for that traffic. It's a market, marketplace tax. I got to be careful drinking coffee to this conversation. <laughs> I almost burned myself twice. Yeah. <laughs> and the thing is, like, it's the same. Like whether you're selling, you know, a digital marketplace or a food marketplace or a verticalized commerce, you know, marketplace or a ticket marketplace, it's the same shit. And fundamentally, it's all connected by the same business model of the internet that has existed since the beginning of the internet. The economics of the internet haven't really evolved much since the beginning. And I was like, well, in order for us to really disrupt the ecosystem, we can't just have a simpler product, right? We have to completely kneecap the fucking industry by changing the way how we think about making money. And the way that I saw it very, very, you know, uh, uh, prevalent in the restaurant was like, hey, we're just going to allow you to download the app. There's no monthly fees. There's no commissions. And the way that we make money is by attaching a small convenience fee to the customer. So if you make money, I make money. And my product is meant to help you go to market immediately and help you start selling. So the more I can help you sell, the more money I'm going to make. And that was a fundamental switch that just tore it up in these industries that are historically getting fucked over and over by technology platforms, right? And is the economics behind the platforms. And perhaps Uber can't really do much about the fact that they're taking 30% on an order. That's a tough one. Because their logistics are so so convoluted. But I think there has to be a, a, a release to the pressure valve somehow for these small businesses to be able to remain profitable in a world where the profit margin is 5% in a fucking pandemic, right? When everything is against them. And I think that they saw Cash Rap as that flag to rep to be like, fuck, no commissions, no monthly fees. 
We have 15,000 followers on Instagram. Why the fuck are we funding them to Grubhub and getting taxed for our own customers? It doesn't make sense, right? Yep. Customers are probably able to walk two, three, four blocks to come to us. So we're going to start using cash trap, right? And like, so, so our first really big hit, you know, uh, when we launched was like food trucks and grab and go restaurants, you know, for pickup as the pandemic began. And what ended up happening is cash trap kind of went from like day launch to like, we were their entire POS in the next three weeks because it was just automating all their traffic. Like all their orders were coming from Instagram and all of a sudden they're like, fuck, why do we need a cashier? Right. And this is where we get into this whole thing about automating jobs. And I think we're looking at it from the wrong perspective when you yes. really see the thing unfold. We've had a lot of restaurants that have been able to really switch completely digital with a platform. And be, because the platform doesn't really have an economic impact on their bottom line, they really push it. They really push it. So the, the customer the customer uplift is immediate. And all of a sudden, they're able to really just run this super, super streamlined operation where they don't need a cashier. They don't need an expediter. There's a tablet in the kitchen. They press a button. The customer shows up. You give them their food on and on and on and on, right? And at here, you probably think, well, they probably eliminated two jobs. They probably op optimized their-, their Probably added six jobs because they're selling more food. But guess what? Exactly. Guess what happened? They have to hire more cooks. Guess what happened? They start going back to the app and be like, oh, I can do my own in-house delivery. Well, that cashier that no longer serves a purpose, maybe we can have them go drop off the orders so we don't have to give 30% to these other fucking platforms. And then that person can make a living. We expand our business. I mean, shit, we've had food trucks that in the pandemic were completely closed. They launched on cash drop and they were able to like create new virtual food trucks and expand their operations because they didn't have to invest in technology. It was a free app that they could download. All of the things already merged and they had one commissary kitchen that they could go and create different satellite locations. So I think that, that you know, we, we should really lean into this whole automation problem uh, thing. I think the, the problem that we've had is that automation, that pipe dream of the small coffee shop becoming Starbucks or that small taco truck becoming McDonald's is so far abstracted from their reality in terms of what it would take for them to be able to have that, that it's just, they, they just fear. They become very cynical about it. But when you really just fucking give it to them and something that they just set up in 15 minutes that they can do, they don't need a nerd like me to help them set it up. Like they start really fucking going wild and thinking about the possibilities, leaning into the technology, getting the benefits and expanding. And I think that that's the hump that we need to get, you know, over to really see the impact, to be able to democratize that access and empower that food truck to say, hey, I'm just as effective in my operations as McDonald's could be. I don't have the scale that they have, but guess what? I'm a small business. You know, maybe I can take this food truck to five to 10 and that's fucking great. Right. And now I can do it without fear, without a massive investment on my end, without, you know, this massive, you know, pressure on my shoulders. Like, Hey, I have to look over my, my shoulders because every time somebody wants a convenient customer experience, there goes all my profit margin, right? Like that way of thinking for cash up has been super, super effective. And it just enabled us to really grow, you know, in, in, in the food vertical, but also it caught a lot of people's attention say, fuck, if I had that at my salon, it'd be awesome. If I had that for my art shop, if I could do this, if I could do that. And guess what? All of the roadmap that we've had has been driven by that. You know, that feedback of people's like ideas and dreams to be like, we need help. We need something accessible. We need to 
be able to run a business like that without us fearing for the future, you know, because that's, that's just, just the most pathetic thing that, that could ever happen is that technology is there, but people don't use it because they're afraid of what could happen if they use the technology. Like that should not be the case, right? People should just be willing and able to use it and get the benefits without having to put their lives at risk. It's, it's crazy. I, I, I completely agree with you. I think, you know, obviously you talked about food a lot and it's not just about food, but it is what a shock that a, a, an operation that lives on razor thin margins that have very hard to control uh, variables like foot traffic and the cost of produce and this, that, and the other thing and waste and just everything else. They only have like the, the best run at 10%. So yeah, throwing some tech in there and stealing 5% of their 10 or 20% of their 10, like it's, they have to reconfigure the entire business and go figure it doesn't work. And the same thing is for a lot of these things. So I totally agree with you on this. The other thing that I think you you've caught in a lightning in a bottle with is this like brands matter for Apple brands matter kind of for Amazon. Not really. Um, I think brand matters for Tesla brand matters for a handful of brands that spend a lot of money on it. And you identify with the brand and that's sort of like, whatever the product is, it feels like whether I'm on these things or these things, it's Apple, right? For the vast majority of companies going forward and myself included, like this show is called Technory Podcast. I could call this show whatever the fuck I want podcast. And it's the Scott Katoon show at the end of the day. And if I run a restaurant, you could call it Venucci's, Veducci's, whatever you want to call it. It's, it's just the guy who owns it or the girl who owns it. You could have a t-shirt shop called whatever the fuck you want. It's right. we buy from people and Instagram and all the social channels. Well, I shit on them all the time. And there's a lot of fake stuff on it and a lot of bullshit the reality is the vast majority of people on it are just regular people living their life, sharing shit with their family and friends, talking smack, whatever. And we buy from them. Right. Like I, if I have cash drop, I'm not, I, I, I like Grubhub because I know Matt. I think Grubhub sucks for the, for the, for the restaurant, but for the most part, I like it. It was the only thing that was out there at the time. Time has changed. So right. now I look at this and I'm like, when given the opportunity, to go there or to get food from like, we have a, a sushi house down the street from where I live. We've got this like fire and wine down the street. I just call a Toto Madres, another one on the street. I don't order on apps for that. I go there to do it because I don't want to screw them over. And I did that before COVID. That wasn't like a new thing. Right. And I think we're all changing mentally. I think we would much rather buy, you know, it's like, what is a, the term? It's, uh, it's like work globally, live locally, something like that. Like that's, that's what I think we aspire to be. Right. And that's that's the evolutionary shift of commerce. Right. Yes. And, totally. and people, of people, people our age. Exactly. Also. And then what we did for launch is we let it loose. And, and then the community that took it, and that's where we focus. And it happened to be food. And I like to say that restaurants to us is like the bookstore, our Amazon. Right. Yep. But I think yeah, we just totally. really opened up Pandora's box to think that there's so many similarities across all of the major marketplaces and verticals stop mattering so much. Like you said, people buy from people, the brand, like fucking Mr. Beast can launch a hundred restaurants. Why can somebody go from being a digital influencer to launching a clothing line to launching a fucking restaurant if they want to? Verticals don't matter, right? Yeah. We're driven by these personalities that are telling a story. That's the future of business. And that's where I'm able to really create this connecting point between Grubhub and Shopify and, you know, and Ticketmaster and all these other industries that kind of serve different points of commerce and bring them together under one umbrella to empower that one entrepreneur 
through their entire entrepreneurial journey to say, what, what story am I say, telling? How am I benefiting my community? And then from there, you might be able to sell just about fucking everything you want. And I'll tell you where the story of Cash Trap is inspired, actually. You know, like I told you before, I was born and raised in Mexico in a city uh, called Guadalajara, right? Second largest city in Mexico. And Castrop is based in one of my most formative childhood memories. Every Saturday outside of my, in my neighborhood, outside of my, my house, you would have these traveling flea market that would just congregate in my neighborhood and just take over. It just becomes this fucking labyrinth. There's like <laughs> 10 square blocks, right? And you see these all over the world. It's not a thing only yeah. in Mexico. You see them in Asia, in Africa, in Europe. You see them everywhere. And it's really the inception of commerce for the majority of the world, right? Yep. And what happens is you have these people, hustlers and, and sellers, that come to these places and they meet there. They claim a small piece of land and they build these shitty tents with sticks and linens and whatever they, they have available. Some don't even have the fucking thing. They just put a towel on the fucking and that is all of the infrastructure they need to launch a business and yep. it's just fascinating that you know as a child you you see these people every saturday it's the same people for generations that thing has been going on for over 100 years right and it's the same people when i when i was there same people in the same location but their fucking business was like pivoting every fucking week. Like you had people that would sell t-shirts and then would pivot to this, to that, to this, whatever was the hype and the trend, whatever they could get their hands on, whatever was up to the weather, that was what they sold. Their business was them, right? And the infrastructure they needed was a fucking tent and that's it. And I think that that's the way we need to think about digital commerce, right? I that agree with you. Up to me, like this is just your infrastructure. That link is your web, <clears throat> you know, box. Whatever you want it to be, I don't care if it's a fucking cheeseburger or a hoodie or a file or a recommendation or a ticket to your next, you know, summit. It doesn't matter, right? Because it's about you. It's not about what you're selling. It's about you, the entrepreneur. And I think that that, when really clicks to people, it really fucking clicks. All of a sudden they're like, oh shit, that is the future of commerce, right? And I think that, that, that it just goes to the fact, like, Culture is created at the inception point of three things, which is food, fashion, and beauty, right? You have your restaurants, you have your, you know, you, you, you have your vintage stores and your, you know, clothing stores. Then you have your barbers and your beauticians and your, you know, service providers. Like that right there, it's where 99% of our lives revolve. So why wouldn't it make sense for us to create one ecosystem that can encompass all of those facets and enable people to really move around instead of saying, Hey, I need an Eventbrite account for my tickets, but I also need Grubhub for my food. And I need, you know, Shopify for my merch. And I need this. For, no, we're not going to think like that. You're just going to do a new drop. You're going to say, Hey, I'm dropping this today. I'm dropping this today. I'm dropping this today. I'm dropping this today. And all of a sudden it just kind of makes sense where we think the world is moving where you don't think about it, you focus on community and you have this tool and anything you could ever need in terms of your business, it's there and it's just gonna be fast, free, hyper convenient, where it's no longer a piece of the puzzle anymore. You don't have to worry, fuck, I don't have the thousand dollars to hire Ruben to help me design my Shopify integration. I mean, look at Shopify, it's part of their onboarding, you know, uh, 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 flow to hire a Shopify professional to help you go to market. Like that doesn't work. Like anymore. Salesforce, right. same thing. It, yeah, it, it's too damn fucking hard, right? And the future of entrepreneurs uh, just don't want to deal with that, 
right? And I think that, that we, we come from humble beginnings, but it takes that humble perspective to really understand that the entire ecosystem and infrastructure that you see around you is powered by those people. And those people need better solutions to help them stay afloat. Right. They don't, most people don't aspire to own. I look at the fucking Sears Tower. I'm like, I don't want to own a corner unit. I want to own the whole fucking building. Right. So I have big, <laughs> I have big in cash drop building. It's better than Willis Tower. Cash drop it, tower. <laughs> I'm actually going to call it the immigrant tower. It's going to be a fucking, you know, symbol to people everywhere. That I wish you could have had this done uh, in 2016, 17, 18, 19. I, know, I, I know, wish I could I'm just sorry. put it right there. Immigrant tower. That would have been perfectly and, fine. And, and, you know, that's not the end of the day for me. Like, you know, we we started this, we bootstrapped this because nobody would give us money. I bootstrapped this from a you know from a friend that was able to give me ten thousand dollars. I that's all the the money we used to bootstrap it. We we raised two point seven million dollars in July, right? We have three people on the team. We just raised nine million dollars two weeks ago. We have six people on the team. We're making we're gonna be net positive in the next few weeks. I mean, shit, I turned on a we turned on twenty million dollar offers to take nine because we don't need the fucking money, right? Yeah. We're moving. We spend five hundred dollars in digital apps <clears throat> thus far. Everything has been our own merchants helping us grow. They're telling each other the story. They're getting they're getting the word out there because fundamentally they understand that we're here to put money in their pocket. Right. And that that balance has long been lost in the Internet. And I think that that's the one thing that we're trying to really put back into the ecosystem. And that's going to be the fuel that help us grow and, and go at hyperspeed for generations to come. You know, but without really forgetting that we're not driven by the money, we're driven, driven by the success of our people. We want to be able to live in a world, like I said before, where truly People have that ability to dictate the, ne the next step, to be able to put food on the table without, you know, going to sleep hungry, but also be able to pursue their dreams. That's the future of the world we all want to live in, I think, you know, and I think there's far too many people, they spend 30, 40% of their days doing something they absolutely fucking hate, and they have a pipe dream for something they could be at, but they'll never try it because it's too difficult or too expensive. And I think that this is how we're going to change it. And I think that, 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 you know, I think it's something that really resonates. I, 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 I really do. Well, I just want to tell you that Jose texted me back in the middle of this conversation. Just tell you, dude, this thing is the shit. <laughs> Real time feedback at Barber <laughs> and Rolling Meadows has already signed up for the platform while we're doing the interview. That's where it, we're it, at. And that's a modern world. Yeah. That's what we're, that literally what just happened organically. That is what we're talking about. Yeah. That's, that is exactly what we're talking about. This whole thing moves this way. I grew up next to a guy who did what you described before. Uh, he called it importer exporter. That's what he would say. <laughs> I don't know what he was importing and exporting. I don't even <laughs> want to know. I'm, I'm an entrepreneur in uh, quote unquote in tech, right? I, I have this technology show. We did all this stuff with technology companies. I, I sell investing apps and, and, and stuff through sponsorship on my show where I talk to entrepreneurs. I sell weed through a company that I invested in that does CBD. It's not really weed, but eventually it will be. Um, yeah. I sell songs through Songfinch and I write yeah. an email to 50,000 investors about retail investing. If that is not a multi vertical, what the fuck? I don't know what is. And I think that I am not, I used to be abnormal and I think I'm now normal. I think there's more of me and you out there walking around than people realize. And those people that, and again, it's awesome that they, they invested in and you started getting the money now when, it, when you need it. But had they been there in the beginning, the terms would have been even better for them, which, yeah. That's life. 
I guess at this point, the only thing I could, and listen, we got amazing investors, world-class investors, incredible terms. Honestly, I'm shocked, right? But I think that, that, you know, if anything, my definition of success is to be able to open up the door so that the next Ruben, you know, doesn't fall through the cracks. Cause I'm one of thousands. I'm not really special, right? I just represent the community that is not being looked at hard enough because of they don't people don't understand us. People haven't seen us before, right? And I think that that is something that we're gonna really work very hard to change. But I think that the investment industry at large should be really worried at what happens when tools like Cash App really democratize access to finance and success, and they're no longer needed. That is the biggest problem that I think is gonna wreck in that industry in the next five years. Or 10 years, 15 years, it might take a generation, but guess what? It's yeah. going to happen. It's going to happen. Right. So I think that, 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 that we all should really go into a clubhouse room and just really think and talk, you know, figure out, you know, how we can all really better serve each other. And at the end of the day, it's for the progress of humanity, right? Like we're here to change such that our kids and our grandkids have it better than we did. And I think that, you know, uh, this is the beginnings of it democratizing entrepreneurship to everybody truly on earth. It's going to be one of the biggest movements of the next generation. I really believe it. I agree with you. I'm going to start hosting these like Monday clubhouses. I'd love to have you on the first one. Let's just start yeah, doing it. We talked that. to um, one of my buddies, Ricky Regalado, who started well, originally he, him and his family started Rosalado uh, plumbing and it was kind of a cleaning services. And now he runs a, a startup called route, which basically is a marketplace for all of the, people who are, they, you know, they're, they're like freelance, plumber, electrician, what, you know, handyman, whatever it is. And he's basically connecting them to gigs left and right, where normally would go to like a bigger service. The guy's like, oh, I can't come for four weeks. And this guy's like, I live down the street. Like I'll be there tomorrow. You know, like what the fuck? And he, he's cool. just working on signing a deal with Home, Home Depot to start supplying the, the smaller vendors with the same access to industrial gear and stuff like they are right now distribution wise with the larger so like again business of the future oh by the way uh minority founder in an industry they don't understand no money raised shocker total shocker oh by the way his other business 10 million dollars a year in revenue oh my god no money you know what they said are you committed to this are you fucking serious like what are you like, is this, yeah. is this the only investment you're making? I want to know. Are, are you going to invest in nine other companies? Because if you are, I don't want to work with you because you're yeah. too busy. Fuck you, man. It, it, it's, it's, it's shocking, man. It, it, you know, my, my goal would be to, to, to do very, fairly well with Castrop and create an immigrant fund. That's where I have this vision of one day buying the, the, the Sears Tower called an immigrant tower. You know, because there is that that glass ceiling you know like how are you supposed oh there to totally is for and that's yeah. for everyone by the way i don't want people to feel it like is. this is this like it's a, what we talk about minorities and women and for in early founders like they definitely need more attention at this current juncture because they're they're not getting it but it's not just them it's because the it's haves a, and the have nots it's a, exactly it's a fundamental a part of the human experience right like how are you supposed to feel that you can transpire and become who you really want to become if there's nobody out there that's ever done it and you see that the fucking system works against for that even happening right yeah. like that that i think it's it's one of the biggest challenges that we have as a species to fix and 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 and, and let's not kid ourselves it only gets fixed with money 
This is yeah. only, it will ever only be about money. They, just, you can't fix this shit with love and with fucking whatever. Hugs help. I like a hug yeah. every once in a no, while. No, this is some good old fashioned <laughs> fucking hard work and money. That is yep. the only thing that fixes these problems. And then we can talk about first world problems, right? So yep. let's talk and just get to the fucking core of what's really going to move the needle for tens of millions, hundreds of millions of people worldwide. It's enabling them to put money in their pocket as fast as possible and take control of their dreams, period. Well, I think you're doing your part to start this off because I, I, I really do believe that Cash Drop has some serious potential. I When I look at companies that I would invest in and do invest in, one of the things that I particularly look for is obviously everything you've described, right? It's, it's the, it's the, the market, the, the reason, the mission, like it drives itself. You don't have to bullshit. It drives itself. What I really, really love. And if I was standing there when these investors looked at you before, we're like, Oh, I'm not going to invest. What I would have pointed out is you're building a tool that is basically interconnected with three of the most well-funded, most highly innovative spaces in the world right now, logistics, online commerce, and money. Yeah. Bitcoin is going bananas. Crypto is going bananas. Investing apps, retail investing, putting money in people's hands. The infrastructure is getting faster and better every day. It will continue the more you look towards Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies and whatever, whether you like them to invest or not. The the use case is there. And the logistics cases for drop shipping and for enabling people to have things produced anywhere in the world and shipped overnight is there. And the reality of being able to connect with people on social media or wherever you want through digital is there. And you are building a connective tissue between the three that is self-fulfilling. Yeah. And to me, like the only thing that can fuck this business up is malfeasance. Like literally, if you sat back and were just did your thing, you're going to be successful. (laughs) You know, uh, uh, I will, I will invoke my, my, uh, my homie, Steven from Cameo. He gave me some great founder advice when I was going through the fundraise. And he said, Ruben, just relax, sit, relax, sit back, sit back. All you have to do is not to fuck this up. That's all you got to do. I yeah. Like, That's true. That's true. You've been and it, he followed his own advice. Yeah. A hundred, a hundred million times over. <laughs> just don't fuck it up. That's it. You got everything there. You know, just fucking do what you've been doing. Don't overthink it. You got it. Just don't fuck this up. And I was like, man, that's probably one of the best pieces of advice I've ever been given. So yeah, I think I think the industry sees it now. I mean, like right now, oh, yeah. I probably have. I, I I'm not you're even set now. Me. You're it, good it, to go. Good. But I think that now that I shift into now making a statement out of it to be like, okay, now you wanna, I'm gonna turn two million dollars on an on cap safe from you because I don't need the money anymore. It's not about the money. It was about the point in the support at the point where we needed it. Right. And all of a sudden the table switch because it's clear now. What the fuck changed from there? Call me you know? on my series D when I want to put a little money in my pocket. Call me then and I will yeah, happily exactly. take your money out of your pocket and put it into my pocket. So <laughs> Who's I the VC I, now? <laughs> yeah, it, it's crazy. And, and again, no, no disrespect intended to anybody out there, but I think no, that, that. And I mean the same way too. I, I, this right. isn't. It's not being mean. It's just the reality that the the yeah. things are lopsided. And I think, and, I, and to your point this entire time, I talk harsh. We both drop F-bombs left and right. Uh, that's just how we express ourselves. Like the, the, the Latino Gary V. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and truthfully, it, it's just, all it is is frustration because you hear the same conversation about the same problems repeatedly and you just don't see any action. And in the meantime, you're telling me my MO is to make money for my investors, my shareholders, right? And I'm looking here going, I'm bringing you opportunities 
and you're not listening and you're over here talking about trying to fix the problem. I am the problem you're trying to fix and I'm right in front of you and you're not listening to me. And that's why I have to start yelling and dropping F-bombs and get all disrespectful because some, somebody's going to, you got to listen. And I think there's only two ways to do it. And I think you named the first one and that's money. It's all, it's, it's one, two, three, and four, probably five and six as well. Money, yeah. money, money, money moves the needle. So, you know, I think, I think, I think we will be okay. I just hope that, you know, the next generation of companies that are being led by black and Latino founders, you know, can seriously be given the chance you know, to, 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 to make it because they bring a lot of value. They're speaking to markets that in 10, 20, 30 years are going to probably be the majority. I'm sorry, but that's yeah. just where it's going. And we really need to, we need really need to think about that, you know? So I think, I think that, that, that might be another podcast for a different, you know, I'm not, you I'm have, not you have an invite. You have, yeah, yeah. I'll send you the invite. You have an, uh, Anytime you want unlimited pass to come to this show, I could, I could just, what's this change this show, co-host it. It'll be fine. It'll be a cash right. drop show, whatever All you right. want to do. Oh man. I, uh, I, I appreciate this. This is great. I hope people go to get uh, download the app. We already got one customer on the show. So, I mean, that doesn't get any better than that. Um, I appreciate you. I appreciate this conversation and I think we'll have to talk again. Cause this was, it was unintended. I came in just talking about cash drop, but then it was like, immediately I hear your story and it's like, Oh my God, this is like the most, this is everything all in a nutshell. So we open up Pandora's box here. So Scott has been, it's been a fucking pleasure, man. I, I appreciate you. If you're interested in self-directed investing from startups to crypto and public markets, my Substack is a great way to learn how professional investors screen review and pull the trigger on deals. Join the largest community of micro investors and startup founders on Substack by going to katoon.com.